Hey, what up, Long Beach? You know, this week has proven once again that you just can't predict high school sports. And that's exactly why we love them. We're going to update you on all the ups and downs today on the only podcast covering our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. As always, this show is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And as always, we're the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardavasio, and uh, that partnership with the Long Beach Post includes great education coverage. We just broke the news that uh, the LBUSD has finalized its high school graduation schedule, which we're excited for. We might even pop by a couple of those to say bye to some of our favorite seniors. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. I personally wanted to give a big shout out to all of our subscribers and supporters. Uh, we're really growing our, our readership and our audience, and we're so grateful to all the support that we've gotten from uh, parents and, and readers all throughout the community. As a nonprofit, we do need public support in order to stick around. And JJ, you're absolutely right. Sports are unpredictable, but we don't want to be unpredictable. We want to know that we're going to be able to do this year after year. And the only way we do that is with more people stepping up and chipping in to support the 562. Head to the website, 562.org, hit the subscribe button, chip in what you can, and make sure we can keep doing this thing for the long term because as we're seeing sports is always going to be fun in the lbc yeah we're back on our time stamp grind right now it is noon high noon on a thursday and everything is changing all of the time so we got to let you know that we're recording before the boys and girls soccer games today and after everything went absolutely crazy on wednesday let's start with the boys and girls soccer games today because uh as we predicted more league boys soccer Amazing, very good, has improved so much, but also it's some of the most dramatic stuff we've covered in quite some time. Right now, before Wilson hosts Long Beach Poly and before Milliken hosts Lakewood, those are the top four teams in the league standings. Wilson has 25 points, Poly has 24, Milliken has 23. Now, if you know soccer, you know that a win is worth three points and a draw, a tie, is worth one point. So, Wilson can put this all to bed by just beating Polly at home and winning a championship their second in three years. However, if Wilson and Polly were to draw or something crazy happens there, Milliken could somehow sneak up from third place and grab a share of that title with Wilson. So it's all left to play for at the death, as they say in soccer. And, uh, and we're here for it, dude. We have been uh, right on the soccer beat here in the local area for the last decade plus. And like I said, watched it improve so much. And we have gotten incredible goals, gotten incredible results, incredible personal uh, experiences and uh, performances from kids that we never saw coming. I've got a feature on a kid from Milliken right now, Anton Moore, available at the 562.org, who just stepped up and started encouraging his teammates in practice. And they saw it change the way they played together on the field. Like the storylines are thicker than a Liverpool fog right now. <laughs> well, and, and how many sports can you say there's three potential champions going into the last day of the regular season? I mean, that doesn't always happen for these, these team sports like this. So uh, it's really exciting. Thank you to Lisa Ulmer, the Morley secretary for lining up the schedule to be so dramatic at the end and have these matchups. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I have no idea how it's going to play out because not only has the season been unpredictable, but soccer in and of itself is very unpredictable in which the best team doesn't always win. Um, the result doesn't always make sense or even seem fair at the end. Um, and so it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and like you said, Jay, it's, it's unpredictable and it's, it's been crazy. We kind of almost anticipated 
that something weird was going to happen. It did Cabrillo uh, with that big win over Milliken earlier in the week to kind of throw things into a little bit of chaos. But the, the door is open. Polly Wilson and Milliken, who's going to break it down? JJ said at the death, I'd just like to point out that playoff brackets come out less than 48 hours after these games are going to start. So, I mean, we're really down to it here at the end of the season. And before we move away from boys soccer, I have got to shout out Alex Diaz and the Lakewood Lancers. Low numbers. They've been the smallest team besides Cabrillo uh, at the top of the table, that group at the top. And they've just played incredibly well. Every time they show up, they're there to play. They play hard. They play as a team. Uh, I want to put my vote in right now, Alex Diaz, more league coach of the year for sure, because nobody saw Lakewood being that good with how they limped into the season. Well, and and basically every team in the league has contributed to this title race, either by, you know, being in it or by taking points off some of the leaders. You know, you, you mentioned Lakewood. Jordan has taken points from Polly. Uh, you know, Cabrillo took took points from Milliken. So it's it's fun when a sport is, hey, every team is part of the narrative and can get in and, and shake things up on any given day. On the girls soccer side here in the Moore League, we talked about it last week. Milliken able to win that historic three-peat. The interview with uh, Coach Tino Nunez available in last week's episode. But that thing isn't settled yet. Today, the annual rugby match that's all of a sudden turned into one of the highest quality matches we cover every year Long Beach Poly and Wilson girls soccer, the Jackrabbits can claim a share of that title with a win over the Bruins at home. What a huge situation for the top rivalry in the league to decide what that league title situation is going to be. And uh, it's going to be a great game. We're going to have coverage of it, obviously. But big shouts to the Jackrabbits as well. There was a point this season where they didn't even have their head coach. You know what I mean? Like we're still dealing with stuff where people have to take time off for COVID situations, and uh, and that they still played so hard. Their game at Wilson, the one that Tyler and I were at, was probably one of the best played girls soccer matches we've ever covered. Tyler, do you agree? No, absolutely. I mean, we we came out of that game saying, I mean, this <laughs> this game could have had 20, 25 different score lines. You know, I mean, there were so many chances, so many terrific individual efforts, great highlights, offensively, defensively. The action started very early. It rarely let up, you know, and so uh, it was it was a really fun game. And I'm very much looking for tonight forward to tonight's rematch. Um, it, it's at Poly. Jackrabbits have a little bit more to play for, as you mentioned, as they have the opportunity to, to join Milliken as league champions. But in a rivalry and especially in girls soccer, especially Wilson Poly. Man, the Bruins also have quite a bit to play for because they would love nothing more than to spoil that championship opportunity for the Jackrabbits. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. It might, might have a lot of whistles tonight. And send head coach Dalton Kaufman off with a victory. And not only a victory, but a victory over Long Beach Poly at Long Beach Poly. I'm sure those Bruins are going to be playing for their boss a little bit more tonight, too. For the gaffer! So uh, soccer is nuts. And all of a sudden, more league baseball has joined the trail mix. We had two crazy results on Wednesday. Wilson going to Long Beach Poly and beating the Jackrabbits handily. And the same situation as Lakewood goes to Milliken and beats the Rams handily. Lakewood and Wilson were behind those two teams in the standings before Wednesday. And now that's not the case. Lakewood and Polly are tied for first and just a game back in the loss column are the Bruins and the Rams. So baseball just joining the crew of 
I don't know. We'll see. Is is baseball the the checks mix uh, in the in the trail mix, or is it the the? M&Ms? It's the almonds because it takes a lot more water to keep those fields green. <laughs> <laughs> nice, and it's hard to predict. It's tough, you know. Oh, it's tough. It's real hard to predict. It's hard to predict where the games are going to be played at this point for more league baseball. We don't we don't know. It's all up in the air, dude. I do. I do want to throw out there. I, I was really happy. You know, we had a comment last week about you know it not being right that all the teams weren't getting a game at Blair Field. Uh, happy to say that everyone is getting a game there now, uh, and it sets up a really exciting situation for us next week, where I think we're actually all going to get to see you know the important games, which normally we always do. This year we haven't been able to do at all. But uh, Wilson and Milliken are going to be playing at 8 p.m., which I'm super stoked about. Just like, let's get a 10 p.m. baseball game <laughs> at Blair Field. Uh, they're going to play after the Dirtbags finish practicing, and then we'll have Polly Lakewood. So instead of those games being on the same day at the same time at Campus Fields, they're going to go one day at Blair Field at night, the next day at Blair Field in the afternoon. So you get that community feel of everyone being able to show up and see those big games next week. We've got some interviews from those games that we were at on Wednesday coming up a little bit later in the show, but we also wanted to mention basketball because basketball is now up in the air, question mark. I, I, don't, I don't really know if it's fair to say that after just one result, but it's got to be one of the strangest and most unpredictable results we've seen. Long Beach Poly losing to Compton at home for the first time since DeMar DeRozan was playing on the Compton basketball team. The last time Polly lost to DeMar DeRozan, uh, we had not yet launched our first uh, full website. It was it was uh, February or uh, January of 2008. Um, most of the players involved in the game last night were very little when that happened. Uh, but as you said, Compton's first win at Polly in 13 years, Jack Rabbits without Peyton Watson, but with certainly plenty of talent. I mean, um, they beat Compton in the first round at Compton in their first game of the season without Jalen Petrie uh, or, or Zoe. And they had both of those guys. They had Chris Watson. They had plenty of talent on the floor. But Compton just played so much harder from start to finish. Um, could really see how much more that game meant to Compton. Uh, clearly, I think, that it meant to Polly. And the Jackrabbits are going to have to do some soul searching as the number two team in CIF Division II AA with championship aspirations. You know, Peyton Watson's incredible, but basketball is not a sport where you can all four guys can stand around and watch a McDonald's All-American and just say, win us a championship. That's not the way it works. And uh, it, it was a, it was a pretty brutal game last night. A lot of a lot of uh, hurt, pride and egos last night at the Ron Palmer Pavilion, for sure. And a huge credit to Compton for coming in and playing the way they did. Pat Johnson was incredible. Isaiah Daniels had a great game with 22 points as well. And um, you could just, like I said, you can see how much it meant to him. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, first and foremost, you got to give credit to, to Compton for, for coming in, playing hard, not being intimidated and putting themselves in a position to win that game. I mean, they definitely took the game by the throat in that fourth quarter. And there was one particular moment, Mike, um, it, where Pat is shooting a free throw. Compton is not contesting the rebound. So the minute, key minute is 50 left in the game. In a, in a close, in, in a, I believe, a five possess- or six-point game, two, something like two, two possession, possession two game. Possession game yep. And so it's four poly players in the key. Johnson takes the second free throw, misses it, and he's the one who gets the rebound. And really, it wasn't even a particularly Herculean effort. He just went through the key and, and got the rebound. Um, and at that moment, it was – you could almost feel just kind of a – like, a, oh, in the gym, you know, because it's like, that's not supposed to happen. You know, you rarely see that. That's um, not supposed to happen in a fifth grade basketball game. 
I mean, you know what or, I mean? That's not supposed to happen in any level of basketball where people are shooting free throws. <laughs> and, and I think it's also fair to, to kind of point out because this was kind of the talk, you know, we were in the gym just kind of with, you know, just anyone working or fans or whatever. I mean, Polly's coming off a 40 point loss to Corona Centennial, which is, you know, that's a pretty humbling margin, right? Not a lot of poly teams lose by 40. Um, Corona Centennial, obviously a very good team, but 40 is a, that's a big number. Um, and so to have that be the last memory and then to have this performance kind of follow that, I think you're right. I think soul searching is, is kind of the good word. I mean, you know, we, we like these kids and, and we think this is a very talented poly group, but they're certainly not showing it and playing their best ball right now. And so they have to figure out what kind of team they want to be. Do they want to be a collection of talented players or do they want to go out and win something? Coaches too. I mean, players, coaches, I, I, I'd say one thing I'm, I just finished cutting the video right before we hopped on every single person wearing a green and gold uh, outfit could have done a lot better <laughs> than they did in that game. The, the, the uh, top name players that were in the game, the guys off the bench, the coaches, I mean, it, it was just a really listless effort. And it, uh, you know, JJ said it throws things up in the air. It might not throw things up in the air. I think it just likely means that Polly and Compton are going to be co-champions of the Moore League um, unless one of them loses another game. And, you know, neither of them have particularly had a Moore League opponent come close to them um, so far this season. So I, I think that's our most likely outcome. Um, but certainly that's not what anyone was expecting coming into this year. Take a wide angle lens view of that game and this season and what it means. So for Polly, we had been talking about them trying to quote unquote avoid the open division. That's not a question anymore, right? Yeah. And then, you know, people are always split on that. You know, I mean, obviously Shelton Diggs, the coach, I mean, he's a Polly coach. He played for Ron Palmer. He, he wants Polly to be in the best division, but at this point you lose to Corona Centennial, who's an open bubble team by 40 points. And then you lose to Compton even though it would be really weird to not have the state's only McDonald's All-American be in the open division, I don't know, unless they come out and look really good in their other two non-league games, including one against Bosco, I don't see how they get into the open division. So does that mean we could see a Compton Poly rematch in the postseason? Yes, could. And um, based on how good they're both capable of playing, I think probably uh, I might even call it likely that those teams meet up in the quarterfinals or semifinals in 2AA. Well, as the kids say, we're here for it. Last week, I got so hungry for Naples Rib Company recording the Naples Rib Company ad that uh, I got high off my own supply. We went down to Naples Rib Company and uh, we did a takeout dinner for the whole family. Uh, I get the brisket sandwich. That's my favorite thing there. Uh, my wife loves the brisket. We love the ribs. We love the chicken. We love the sausages. Uh, we got kids meals for our kids. We got mac and cheese. We got garlic mash. We got chili. We did the whole spread because summer is almost here. We have six more weeks of nonstop sports action, and then it's going to be time for barbecue every day, grilling every day, Naples Rib Company, until our stomachs burst. So if you're ready for that little taste of summer, you're ready to celebrate, or if you're just listening to this, hearing us talk about the garlic mash, and you're hungry, get down to Naples Rib Company and tell Dave Rossini that the 5-6-2 sent you. So like we mentioned, we were on campus for those more league baseball games on Wednesday. A beautiful Wednesday in the LBC, man. I, I have actually enjoyed being on the campuses for these baseball games because each campus field has its own little quirks and each campus field, as much as it's kind of more difficult to film there, now that the fence and the netting is all the way down at Blair Field and I can't stand on the corner above the dugouts and shoot from there anymore because there's a 
literal net there, it is actually kind of more enjoyable to just stand at the end of the dugout. I mean, watch your lips. Watch your lips for sure. But it's more enjoyable to stand at the end of the dugout and kind of be in the action down there because as we've seen, the bounces are unpredictable on these campus fields and anything can happen. Tyler, you were at Long Beach Poly watching the Jackrabbits take on the Bruins and the Bruins, for, for my money, and I think they probably say the same thing, unrecognizable compared to the Wilson teams that lost on their own home field, Skip Rowland Field on campus, to Milliken and Lakewood while making a combined 17 errors. 17. You know what I mean. Tyler, who were you able to talk to after that Bruins win? Well, I, I talked to a few people, JJ, and, uh, you, you know, you mentioned the errors, and that was something that, uh, you know, senior DJ Erkman spoke to directly. I didn't even bring it up, you know, and he and he kind of talked about how it's it's very, you know, unexpected for a Wilson team, and, and they took that personally, and I think that has kind of fueled their, their resurgence with their win over Dana Hills, which was a big win for them, and then obviously the win over Polly. So uh, it's, a, it's a proud program trying to turn things around, and, and Erkman's well aware of what that means. Congrats on the big day. I mean, obviously they, they couldn't keep you off base and then, and then you had that big double play turn to kind of kill that bases loaded rally. So, um, you know, how excited are you guys to, to get this win and how important was it for you guys to, you know, I know you got the big non-league win against Dana Hills, yeah. but to do it against a more league team and say, hey, we're, we're still in Wilson, right? Yeah. I mean, it's oh, it's huge. Yeah, we're coming off two, two games, 17 errors combined. And just like this never happened in any of our history. And it's just the worst start to a season ever. And I think it's just a huge win for us to get back on the right path and back to a more league, hopefully a more league title. We got to buckle up and keep going. Well, the the offensive approach. I mean, you guys you guys had six doubles today, and um, you, you know it just seemed like you guys were, uh, you know, pardon my French, just hitting the shit out of the ball. I mean, was it a was it a, a change in approach? Were you guys are you, are you guys just more confident right now? What what do you think was the difference today to help you guys offensively? Oh yeah, totally. So past week we knew we were getting Elias. We knew that was their big guy. Totally shout out Milliken, and we were working slow. You know, he's a little slower, but you know he has that big breaking ball. We were working a lot of sliders out. Just We were trying just oppo. We were just working oppo, oppo, oppo. Just keep, get your bat out there and just poke it. And obviously it really worked. And obviously we had a bunch of doubles too, which actually left a couple pitches in the zone. And guess what happened? Our nukes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also talked to Wilson head coach Andy Hall uh, after the victory. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of discussed the the challenges as well and, and how the the weird offseason and the lack of a, of a true fall ball and conventional buildup has affected the team and, and how different combinations could be leading now to the Bruins' success moving forward. It's such a silly game, you know. I mean, we've struggled in a lot of respects this year, offensively, defensively, and, and it was nice to see us play a pretty clean game. It was nice to pick up that ground ball in the last inning and, and get out of there without the big guy coming to the plate, but, or the next guy coming to the plate. But, um, you know, it, it's a huge victory for us, and, and it's interesting to uh, kind of pull ourselves back into the race a little bit. And you know, after what they did to Lakewood and Milliken, I didn't know what to expect, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Brett does a really good job at, at the poly. He's, I mean, the field is beautiful. The kids play the game the right way. I think they're... Uh, their starting pitcher, you know, just maybe just didn't have it today. You know, I mean, I know he, he pitched really well against Lakewood and Milliken, and it was just a good day for us. All of them, Milliken, Lakewood, Wilson, Polly, they all grew up together, and they all go to school with each other. And the kid, Chonsby, you know, lives across the street from Charlie, you know, which is kind of funny, you know. So there's a lot of just familiarity, and, and, I, and I think that that has something to do with getting some success today that, that we were a lot more relaxed than we were against Lakewood or Milliken, and, and obviously getting that win today is – 
it's going to mean a lot to our confidence and going forward and, and hopefully we can parlay it into Friday's win another win against you know Cabrillo and kind of get things rolling get back on the positive side of 500 you know there's a few games away still but yeah, we'll get there hopefully we've seen this from your teams before when you you know you're kind of in a slump or, or, or struggling a little bit but your back's against the wall and, and then that's kind of when you play your best baseball it seems like I mean do you feel like there was it was kind of a gut check for you guys where you're like hey we got to get turned around and uh and that's what's led to, to the Dana Hills win and now here do you feel like you guys have maybe turned a corner I think we're, we're starting to get around the corner um you know I, I, I I've told a lot of people that you know the first 10 or 15 games have really been a lot like playing winter league you know and trying to figure out what are the right combinations i'd probably put together you know if we played what what are we seven and 11 now or something we probably had 16 or 17 different lineups you know mm-hmm. from sebastian playing first to right. dh i mean we've just done a lot of different things and it all kind of comes back to this is what makes the most sense for us so you know it's been a real learning curve for us a real steep one this year and and i think we're finally maybe starting to get to the top where we've got the right guys in the lineup and and they believe in each other you know i mean when charlie's on the mound we're a pretty good team you know if we're picking up brown balls obviously you can't say that we did that against lakewood or millican but you know i'm very impressed with Polly and their their lineup one through nine it's a long lineup and seven eight nine hit the ball hard as well as you know one two three i think he pitched really good against in, in the early innings so you know, it's it's a big difference when you when you're rolling with a six run lead into the sixth <laughs> inning as opposed to playing tied or playing catch up. You know, it, it, you can see it in the guys' personalities yeah. in the bench. You know, it's it's an easy deal. And it was the same thing for us on Saturday with Dana Hills. You know, it was we were always kind of right there, right there, and take a one run lead to the seventh, walk the leadoff guy the next inning, you know, playing ten innings. You know, and but we got a couple of clutch hits from Lanterman on Saturday, and and he had a big day today, and DJ had a big day today, and you know. It's, it's something that we haven't got enough of throughout the year. Multiple game hits from our, the middle part of our lineup. And it makes, it, it makes the game a lot more fun to coach, watch, and be a part of. Make sure you get to the website later this week and early next week to get yourself updated on those standings to see what's going on with those teams as they get into the second round of league play. But before we do that, I wanted to stop and talk with Diego Gutierrez, the shortstop pitcher for the Lakewood Lancers. Uh, Coach Spud O'Neill said he is the best player on their team, the first guy to practice, the guy doing everything the coaches asked him to, just a great leader, and he stepped up for his boys on Wednesday, played shortstop, drove in the first run, then took the ball, went to the mound, and pitched three scoreless innings of relief, gave up only the one hit. He picked a guy off while he was on the mound. He, he just did a little bit of everything. And I talked to him after the game about how the Lancers have been able to kind of shake the rust off and get into this season. Just an overall good performance, right? That yeah. felt like Lakewood baseball. Does it feel like you out there as well? Uh, yeah, definitely. A good team win. And, you know, good things happen when you put ball in the play. Was that kind of the approach coming in that you guys just wanted to hit it on the ground? Yeah, uh, it, it always works. You know, sometimes we get start getting under balls and it doesn't go our way and we start putting balls on the ground and things just happen, especially at Milliken, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so you have to come in there after the, uh, after the rally and pitch those innings out of the bullpen. How does that feel when you're coming out of the bullpen with a lead? Does it feel any different than when you're starting or if you're coming in trailing? Uh, yeah, definitely. When you have a lead and going into, you know, relieving, it's it just takes weight off your shoulders, especially against a good team like this. And you just pounded the strike zone, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Is, that was the goal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's always the goal, you know. If I don't pound the zone, then, you know, bad things start happening, just like against Pauly. <laughs> no doubt. That uh, rally there in the fifth, uh, your hit obviously got it going. Um 
Did you guys change your approach in that inning? Were you looking for a certain pitch? Uh, yeah, we just, you know, sitting dead red fastball, and I got the hit and run sign, you know, put it in play. And, yeah, it just, it just happened. So if that result holds over on the other side of town, you guys are tied for first. How do you feel? Do you feel like a first-place team? Absolutely. We've, we've uh, felt like a first-place team since the beginning, you know, and we just got to keep things going good this year. You know, we do a little bit of everything at the 562.org, so we also got out to the More League Girls Tennis Singles Finals this week and wow tyler that is some of the most exciting high school tennis i've ever seen you too right oh absolutely uh pardon the pun but i loved it um and and it was really uh, again you know it's a bad metaphor here but it was really back and forth um as tennis tends to be um between a couple of players that were, were playing different styles and and it was definitely ebbing and flowing you know it the the advantages went back and forth and it, it was, it was truly unpredictable. Um, and, and it was, it was fun to, to kind of follow the narrative of these two going back and forth. You know, you have uh, a senior going up against a sophomore and um, you know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of things to overcome, a lot of factors in the air. It was, it was definitely a warm day. It was taking its toll on both players. Absolutely. Wilson senior Maddie Tad had lost in the finals last year. She comes back. She beats the girl she lost in the two in the finals uh, in the semis this year. And then she has to take on that super sophomore Kaylee Mazio from Milliken. Mazio, the type of player who wants to come to the net, who wants to go tit for tat with you on the volley, who wants to use her powerful forehand for those winners down the line. And uh, Tad knew that. And she used her senior veteran skills to try to keep Mazio on the baseline, play those lollipop shots, keep her on her heels a little bit, use that patience, and then slam her first serve. You're going to hear Tad talk about all of that because we were able to catch up with her after the medal ceremony. Congratulations, Thank incredible so day of tennis. It looked exhausting. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I was really exhausted. And she could tell I was breathing so loud, like every single point I was like, coming off of like my first, my first round too, I was like so tired. And, but I just, I kept eating my little bananas and my strawberries and I just kept going, <laughs> so. Talk about that semifinal, obviously against the girl you lost to last year in the final. Where was your head at going in? Is that a revenge mindset for you? Yeah, uh, it was, well, for sure. I just really wanted to beat her and I was always so scared because, you know, she beat me last time. But I did beat her during the uh, more league, so I knew I could get something. But two sets, I was like, I was kind of scared for that. But I just had to stay positive as long as I keep my head, as long as I'm not mad at myself, I can do good. That's just what I was trying to do. What was the key to victory in that semifinal? What do you think you did differently this year that you didn't do last year? I definitely was way more confident last year. I lost like all my confidence and I was just lobbing, rallying, and she just killed me that way. And then this year, I just, even if I dropped a couple games, I just like kept hitting my shots and being confident. I think that really changed it a lot. So then coming into the final, how were you feeling? What was your mindset? It was pretty good. You know, I was like, I'm kind of worried because Kaylee had been sitting out already for 30 minutes and I was off this huge game. But I just tried, I mean, it was really just me trying to be positive and like, at least I'm in the finals, give it my all. And that's all I really tried. So strategy wise coming mm -hmm. in, it looked like your first serve was really strong in that first yeah. set. Was that kind of your key to victory there in the first I set? I think for sure, yeah. I, I thank God I had my first serve. It let me like chill on some points too. And then it kind of eh, got a little worse, but it was, yeah, my first serves and then me keeping it back, like the same thing. I know if I hit it short, she's just going to attack me and like she's bomb at the net. So that's great. 
But if I, I just knew I had to keep it back and keep it with pace or she's just going to take advantage of it. Yeah, how much does patience factor into that? Because your defense was impeccable when you yeah. were on. Your defense was on. <laughs> how, how much did you have to be patient? And maybe playing four years of more league tennis makes you a little bit better at that. Yeah, you have to be really, really patient because I just want to hit the ball but like, and hit it really hard. But I know she's just going to, I mean, it, it's insane. But patience, it's that's literally it. It's so hard, too, and you get so tired, and it's like, I just want the point to be over. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it's like, and then, but you feel so good once you win it, and you're like, thank God. But, yeah, I just think I, I was just trying to keep my patience. It was so frustrating because then she started rallying it with me, too. She was just rallying it back, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> a lot of long points, a yeah. lot of patience, a lot of yeah. energy expelled. So in that second set, when you started to feel a little bit tired, first set's letting you down a little bit. It looked like you were gripping your hand too. Were you cramping yeah, a little my bit? First set, I felt good energy all the way through. And then second set, I was I was really tired. And then um, my hand started like cramping like up to the side when I would squeeze my racket. So then I went off to the side and I chugged pickle juice, which is like <laughs> the only thing that I've found that works. So then I chugged it and then it went away. So that was good. But, you know, yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, so post post pickle juice and post second set, you're headed into the tie break. Uh, your coach came out there and, yeah. uh, and talked to you a little bit. Do you think that helped you? What did he say to you? Um, he, I mean, he even told me from the beginning, he was like, if you happen to split sets, which is what I did, like, he was just like, do not get mad at yourself. Just, it's zero, zero all again. Just give it your all. It's 10 points. Just, and so I just did that same thing. So he kind of like warned me about it anyways. And he was just like, you've already won a set. You can win these 10 points. Like, and I just, he gave me a lot of confidence. So you walk out there in the tie break, yeah. first serve, first point, boom, in. Yeah. That, got that, a, got that had to feel good. Yeah, it felt really good. And then that gave me, like, a little kicker, and I got, like, three points after that. So, yeah, I think whenever I make my first serve in, I just get really happy, and, like, my confidence goes way up. But, you know. But. So what was the emotion that you felt as soon as that final point went in when she hit the net to make it 10-7? I was like, oh, my God, it's finally over. Like, I just – it was, like, never ending. Like, it was just – I felt like I'd been playing it for, like, two hours already, and I was like – I was, thank God. I, I just couldn't, I had nothing else. I, I was, I, I didn't have anything left in me. I was like, she, I couldn't do anymore. She had me at my wits end. She's such a great player too. It's crazy. Yeah, is that some of the best more league tennis you've played? Oh, for sure. I mean, even with my last year with Jody, I think this, this one was way better. I mean, we were just back and forth. I mean, and we both split a set. Like we both, like she's, we're both right up there and I'm just I'm so happy I was able to come up on top, though. So if you played you from last year, how oh, do you... I would I would beat myself so badly. <laughs> I would just, because last year I just lost all confidence. And, like, when I lost that first set against Jody, I was like, oh, my God. And then I was coming back, and then I lost it again. And so this year, like, if I did play myself, all I'd have to do is just, like, take advantage of all my short balls and then, like, go to up to the net which I still don't really do that much but you know that's yeah. what I would do a little, yeah a little bit different so now going yeah. into the playoffs going into the individual stuff and obviously it's a different season so a different time mm -hmm. but all that considered the experience that you had last year the experience of this day today yeah. what do you think you're going to be able to take from that to go into the playoffs and try to do something I think what I, all I have to take from it is just like my confidence, I think, like, makes or breaks me. And, like, at the end of the day, like, if I'm confident in myself, I think I can – I'm capable of anything. <laughs> I can – I just have to keep a positive mind and not be mean to myself in my head. But, yeah. I think we all can take that advice. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know.
This is not the only podcast we record. We also have the LB Fee Show with Long Beach State Athletic Director Andy Fee, where we always enjoy every other week catching up with some of the best coaches and athletes at Long Beach State. And uh, this week, I got a chance to sit down with Jason Smith and Krista Washington, both All-American caliber school record-holding jumpers at Long Beach State, and got a chance to talk to them about their expectations for next week's Big West Championships and what they're hoping to do at the NCAA championships later this spring. We also talked to Andy Fee about how good Long Beach State golf is right now. Holland Shores won the individual on the women's side, and Long Beach State men's golf, full of some Wilson Bruin alumni, were able to win the team championship for the first time in over a decade. So great stuff from both golf teams. Talk to Andy about that. You can find that show right now at the562.org. That'll wrap up another episode of What Up Long Beach. Before we go, we want to thank all of our sponsors, including Ocean Law Center for their support of local sports coverage. Head to OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services that they provide. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will be back next week with more exciting Long Beach sports coverage, and we're going to start to talk playoffs here in the spring.